Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and our word on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Um, and joining us again, we have uh, an author that's done some incredible books. Uh, we've had him on before, and we're doing it again. And this time, it's a little different. Um, we're going to talk about courage in the face of evil. And we're going to talk about um, inspiration. We're going to talk about how we actually uh, come to write something like this, as well as other books he's done. So, Mark Shaw, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. Wow. So, another really good book. Um, I, I, you know, because I've written myself, but I don't want to say you're lucky. I, I want to say there's some sort of. Uh, fortune in in it uh like you're fortunate mm-hmm. to be able to write and have connections and make connections with people like it's incredible to be able to put it together and a lot of stress mm-hmm. i know that and mm-hmm. to release the book and then make a connection with readers so mm-hmm. um let's talk about like courage in the face of evil is a different kind of story as to what we've had you on the show before. We're not really following a murder mystery here or an Mm -hmm. unsolved crime. Well, sort of. Um, So talk about the book, as in where you got the inspiration for this book. Well, it it seems to me like that that, uh, books come to me. Uh, People always ask me how I pick the subjects uh, for my books, and Many times I think they're, they're picked for me. I, I'm not sure exactly how that happens, but I'm a very spiritual person. And uh, I, I really try to keep my eyes open uh, when uh, someone sends me information about a story or uh, there's something in the news that I see or whatever. Uh, and, I, and I write these uh, ideas down because I don't want to miss something. Uh, you know... Uh, Words are a writer's weapon in many ways because this is how we tell our stories. This is how we address important issues. Uh, you know, this is, is our means of communicating. And uh, we can't, you know, go out there and, and scream at people. Uh, we shouldn't. But uh, I, I tell people, aspiring authors that I sometimes mentor, I say a book is like a, a, a megaphone. 
because a book can make a difference. And so I watch for those kinds of stories uh, to come along. Uh, this particular uh, story, which became the basis here for uh, Courage in the Face of Evil, uh, I found out about a diary that a German Christian woman had kept at Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp uh, during the Holocaust. That's the only camp that was exclusively uh, for women. And uh, I uh, found out about it through a newspaper article that I saw in a Midwestern newspaper, Midwest newspaper. And I thought to myself, uh, I'd, I'd like to, you know, I've always been so interested in, uh, in the Holocaust and why we can never forget what happened there. And so I, uh, it took me some time, but I tracked down the daughter of the woman. Uh, unfortunately, the woman had passed away. But I tracked down the daughter, and it took me again some time to get her to trust me. But I was able to secure a copy of the diary. And uh, the moment that I read it, uh, I saw the opportunity to not only bring forward her words in terms of what she experienced during the horror of the Holocaust, but also that this was a very unusual story. You know, there are many, many stories about the Holocaust and books written, and they're all valuable and they're all important. But I had never seen a story like this one once I got into the, uh, the meat of the, of the diary, the journal that she kept uh, during her time at Ravensbrook. And I saw that while this, this was a disturbing story to read, very disturbing because of the cruelty that she experienced and, and what she saw, but there was inspiration in here as well. And uh, to conclude that thought, it addressed two important, uh, you know, thoughts that I that I've always had in my mind. Of course, love and hate. And uh, as I read the diary, uh, tears came to my eyes, and that's what's happened as the book has just been released, where people read it and they just start crying, and they start crying because of the cruelty they see and the hate. But toward the end of the book, they start to realize that there's inspiration in here too with the overall theme being that love make overcome hate. So uh, I felt like that uh, for whatever reason this book was supposed to come my way, that perhaps the woman, uh, uh, you know, Cecilia uh, is her name. Uh, we use the name Vera in the book, and I'll tell you why. But uh, that Cecilia had me in mind uh, to be able to tell uh, this important story. And I think you've, um, just for people listening, you've certainly, um, from from just a very limited time talking with you, Mark, evoked this real interest in myself. I mean, normally I, I would take kind of a lead on the show for the paranormal side of things, being psychic medium, and not necessarily into the kind of the true crime or the history stuff. And this is fascinating, because when we were talking outside of this interview, um, and you've mentioned it a couple of times within the interview, you feel that these things come to you. And so I just thought it'd be really helpful to explore your own spiritual beliefs because mm -hmm. being able to put words on a page, we can all do that. But as Al was saying, as an author himself, having, to, having words on a page that evoke emotion, that help people understand and relive and reinvent themselves after reading is such a skill and a talent and it that doesn't come naturally to people so you know having mm -hmm. that thought that you're guided by something that something is is you know, spurring you on to write and and two very different books but still about women and the evolving um position in society what are your spiritual views how do you how do you understand what's happening with these books well, you know, I've, I've lived a, such a blessed life uh, with so many different experiences. Uh, you know, uh, I was a criminal defense lawyer, and then I was a television legal analyst and, and uh, a commentator, and, and then I started writing my books, and I think this will be number 26 or 7, someplace in there. Um, you know, I, I have a wonderful family, all of that. I'm such a blessed person. And so I've watched defining moments in my life when things could have gone one way or another. And I've made mistakes like everybody else. And in fact, at one point, I became such a jerk that I decided, you know, I maybe needed to clean myself up. And I actually went to seminary 
I went to San Francisco Theological Seminary uh, across the Golden Gate Bridge over there, spent two and a half years getting a master's degree in theological studies because I didn't like who I was. And I think that uh, experience at the seminary uh, made me stop and think a little bit about uh, who I was and what kind of person I wanted to be. I kind of lost myself. I was introduced to a spiritual guru named Thomas Merton, um, who, who has uh, become kind of my spiritual mentor. I wrote a book about him. Um, and so uh, it got me back on track. And so uh, for whatever reason, I've been in so blessed in my life. And uh, when I am able to find a story that I believe uh, can be worthwhile uh, for, uh, for, for whatever reason, I throw myself uh, completely into that. And I, I think when you show that passion, I mean, I can tell with both of you, when you when, because of the way you interview, you throw yourselves into this. You do your homework, you, you, your questions, uh, that there's passion in your voice. You want to be able to let your listeners learn about things that you think are important so that they can make up their own mind and they can use that information as well. So that's what I do with my books. And so when... Uh, stories come along, uh, you know, like uh, like the ones that have happened in the last few years. Um, I throw myself in there, and I, in fact, almost feel like I become that person. Um, that I become uh, the the subject of the book, and especially in this case with courage in the face of evil, because I think the first tendency in my mind was to take the the journal, the diary that Cecilia had written and uh, perhaps, um, you know, edit it, um, use some of my own words, uh, do this or that with it, whatever. And boy, I'll tell you, when I finished uh, reading the journal, I said to myself, I'm not going to touch hardly anything. I don't care about the grammar. I don't care about the punctuation. Um, unless there's something that's just, uh, that really needs to be touched up, this is going to be this woman's story. And that's how the book is told. Uh, there's an introduction about Ravensbrook and, and the cruelty there. But from that point on, it is the experience of, of uh, this woman. And that has uh, been what's been uh, so interesting to people about this because they're reading a first-hand account of what she experienced. And I don't want to kid people. It's very disturbing what she sees and the cruelty and all of that. She's a true angel of mercy. Uh, for sure, a German Christian woman, not a Jew who is trying to help everyone there. But it's disturbing and it's hard to read. And I've had people tell me that they put it down because they just are so disturbed by the cruelty. But then somehow or another they move forward and they start to learn about this woman's relationship with a Nazi prison guard and how she learns that uh, the hatred that she has for him uh, you know, that there's some more to this man than what she thought there was, this SS prison guard. So um, I tried to put myself, of course, I'm a man and she was a woman, but I tried to put myself in her position as, I'm, as, I'm, uh, as I put this book together to make sure that we hear her emotions, that we visualize what she saw and what she heard, because it's her story, not mine. I remember some time ago now, a friend of mine said to me, I've got a doll. I want to show you the picture of this doll. And I want you to read the doll. And I said, okay. So I looked at this doll and straight away, I just felt the pain, the suffering that had come with this doll on this doll's journey. And I kept seeing, mm -hmm. a, um, I saw a grey, a bluey grey uniform. And I, I automatically, I was a RAF wife myself. I automatically thought about Royal Air Force and, and the forces and, and then as, I, as the kind of images unfolded to me and my spirit guide was giving me more and more, I realized this was, this was in, in, in Nazi Germany. This was a, um, I saw the, um, uh, the containers. And then it all kind of made sense. I realized that this doll had been given to a young child before she entered the gas chamber. And the doll had oh. actually been found, therefore, in the gas chamber. And oh it had come back, back to the UK uh, with a Polish gentleman. And uh, then it had been passed on to um, into this kind of like a, not an elderly people's home, but like a retirement place for, for Polish um, individuals. And there was a, oh. uh, there, it was on the, on the dresser. I could see the doll there and on the dresser. And a few months later, I went to um, a friend's, uh, that, the same family, their wedding, and they had bought this doll. The doll is an ugly, horrible looking thing. It looks awful. But the doll is so powerful in its story. 
And so that kind of pain, that suffering that you, you, you get a sense of when you hear somebody else's story, whether that be through, as you're saying, you're reading these, these diaries, these memoirs, whether I'm reading a doll that's been in the gas chamber with a young child, that wow. is so powerful. Yes, it is. And, and uh, you know, uh, I said the other day that uh, I hope many young people read a story like this, uh, yeah. that... Uh, uh, because for for many young people today, bless them, uh, if they can't spend ten hours on their smartphone, then it's a bad day. No, I know. I know. Well, you know, they should they should read stories like this. And I have been encouraged that I, I'm told at least that many high schools across the country, at least some, are now uh, requiring a course on the Holocaust, and in, and in colleges too. And I hope that's happening because. Uh, we must never forget what happened, but there are many lessons to be learned from this. And, um, you know, just, just to tell you, uh, you know, we, we do experience, uh, Cecilia Vera uh, in the book, we do uh, experience her pain and suffering and what she sees and how she feels because she's such an emotional person and she's crying all the time and she is, is enraged by what she sees and several times she wants to... You know, at one point, a, a nurse uh, won't, she's a nurse herself, but an, an, a, the head nurse won't give her medical supplies for uh, the Jews and the gypsies and the children and all of that. And she says in the diary, I want to jump across uh, the desk to her and, and strangle her. And so you see that rage and you see, you know, when a woman's being dragged across the uh, compound by her hair, that she starts to rush out and do something and she's held back by her friends. Um, so you experience all that, and, and you see just the hatred that she has for anyone in an SS uniform. Uh, but as the, as the book moves along, you start to realize that there, is, uh, there are two uh, SS uh, prison guards who hover around the barrack where she is, and one of them, Jacob, um, tends to show some compassion. He, he's very upset at what's going on. He can't stop it. Uh, she says she hates him, but then she starts to realize that, you know, he's not maybe as bad as, as she thinks he is. And at one point he even says to her, you know, I know you detest me, uh, but I, I don't want to be here. Uh, they would have killed my aunt, my, my family. They would have killed everyone if I didn't join. I am not so bad. I am not terrible. And so she starts to realize that maybe there with, within this guy there's some good. And I believe there's an important lesson to be learned, that even if we... Uh, we look at people who have hate in their heart. There's some good in there someplace. I, in a presentation I gave that's up on uh, YouTube uh, at, a, at a bookstore, you can see it. It's um, just look for Courage in the Face of Evil. Uh, I pointed out that uh, Martin Luther King and uh, Nelson Mandela both have quotes, and, uh, and they're up there, about the only cure for hate is, is love. And so she starts to realize that there's more to this man than she thought there was, and as time goes by... Uh, she she starts to question uh, her hatred and realize uh, that this 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 might be somebody uh, that she could relate to when she didn't want anything to do with them at all because of that hatred. And we can we can go into what happens because there's a true miracle that occurs in the book. Would you mind, Mark, if I just read the first two chapters of your book from the first chapter? Not at all, Would you please. Mind if I read and the reason I do it is because I think it really, it, it, it's going to help our listeners to really kind of understand the way you write. Because this is so easy read, understandable. And it really will give, give our, our listeners just the um, kind of the feel of, of, of what it is, the journey that she went through and the journey that you went through writing it. So this is the first chapter of Mark's book. My name is Vera Koenig. And the first memory I have at Ravensbrook is sitting on the lid of the toilet as a roach stared at me. Today is gloomy, dark clouds everywhere, sirens wail in the distance as dusk approaches. It's January 1940 and months not easily forgotten. Currently I am housed in the women's camp, 64 wooden huts set in five rows. To the west are the men's camps with the children kept in 13 huts further away. The gas chamber and the crematorium are close by, permitting us to smell the stench of human flesh. I mean, how just two chapters that set the scene for the entire book. Mm -hmm. I mean, just so well worded, Mark. Well, you know, uh, 
I was uh, I was uh, fascinated, amazed with her writing acumen and her visualization. You know of what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can you get a visualization, a picture of what uh, she was feeling right at that particular point. Uh, and 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 that's what's so important. There's no question about it because it it provides us with um, you know I like to have the reader be right there uh, with the with the subject so that they can experience what the uh, the subject is experiencing and obviously uh, what she wrote there does just that. Well, it brings you straight in, doesn't it? it sure does. Do you know uh, one thing? Um, the, one of the reasons this book caught my eye. For, for for and for having you on the show is that as of as of lately we've had a lot of um holocaust deniers um coming forward and um and uh, being on interview circuits and um it's just kind of um a bizarre thing and a lot of young people are buying into it uh, you know, it's, how do you address that? I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, you have to respect everyone's opinion. There's no question about that. Uh, but I think uh, those people need to stop and think before they do something like this because, uh, you know, they're, they're influencing young people's minds to believe that all of the documentation, all of the photographs, um, you know everything that has has been presented. Uh, I would suggest that each one of those people uh, pay a visit to the Holocaust Museum in Washington D.C. If you haven't done that, uh, then you really haven't done any homework, any research whatsoever. Because uh, once you're there, uh, you you experience uh, you know what happened, and to deny that any of it occurred uh, is is just almost beyond the imagination. So. What I would say is that those people, uh, I'd suggest, make that trip, but also young people who read uh, whatever is being, uh, you know, pronounced out there, uh, that they take that trip as well, or read uh, documentation like uh, this story or others that have been written uh, by eye, uh, with eyewitnesses' accounts. The other thing that, of course, can be done is, if possible, for these people who deny it uh, that it occurred, take a trip to Germany or young people to take a trip to Germany, to go to Dachau, to go to Auschwitz, to go to Ravensbrück, to go uh, see the shoes piled up and the, you know, the other, uh, you know, uh, the other things that are there uh, so that, you know, they can make up their own mind about what happened. Uh, but we are at a time, we are during a time now where uh, this kind of, um, uh, you know, this kind of pronouncement by people who, um, aren't really, I would say, concerned too much with the truth. They are more interested in inflaming uh, people about uh, things, and and I can understand that with most of the issues that are going on today in this world, where there is way too much hate, but it's hard to understand when it comes to the Holocaust. Yeah, I just found it concerning. You know, um, a, a certain person was out and on TV, and he's saying that he went to the... Uh, the camps and he was in Germany and he's saying because the doors could open outwards and there was no locks on it it didn't happen and uh-huh. and yeah and it's it's crazy because you know in surveys it's getting to the 30 percent of Americans asked about the Holocaust wow. that they didn't believe it so I'm thinking so you're saying one in three almost people in the oh US my. right now are saying no it didn't happen it's just made up and you have people like that promoting that sort of idea. And that's sort of why stories like this are very important. People have got to understand that these are real things that happened to real people. Mm-hmm. It's not just fake news. It's just, it's just, it's crazy uh, to lump. Well, I would ask, I would ask you this question, both of you. Do you think that's a product of the times? You know, we, we now live in this fast paced uh, internet world. And uh, you can't walk down the street many times here in San Francisco where you don't uh, face somebody whose uh, who's, um, smartphone is taped <laughs> to their nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they almost run into you. Right. And we're, we're in this fast-paced news uh, cycle with all of the, uh, with all of the outlets uh, trying to somehow or another, uh, you know, 
get some space and, and, and have people listen to them or whatever. And, and it seems like, and I would ask you both whether you think, the more uh, crazy the, the ideas uh, are, uh, the more attention they seem to get these days. Yeah. Oh, totally. And, and there's far too many people that have access to give people their story. Like, you know, um, everybody's got to have a, uh, a podcast. Everybody's doing a book. Everybody's putting out there. And so, so many people are on their smartphones. They just take anything and they assume that it's right or that it's real. And they get all this information and it comes from anywhere. And people... Well, you can see all the fake news, can't you, all over Facebook, for example, you know, and, and people will comment on it as, as though it's, it's real. And you have to, you know, I've had friends who, who comment on posts that you think, surely you know that that is not true. You know, and, and but because it's there, it's in black and white, people yeah. buy into it. Yeah. It's very sad. Well, I, I can give you an interesting example there, and that is that uh, I, I received an email a couple of days ago when this book came out. Uh, and it wasn't it wasn't very nice. Uh, it wasn't uh, you know I, I can take criticism and uh, you know I, uh, uh, I say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get back to people and I will get back to this person. But, uh, you know, the nastiness. Uh, is there and uh, the internet? Unfortunately, uh, authors, journalists, everyone goes in there, and I'm afraid Wikipedia might be one of the worst ex- the examples. And that is that, you know, it's not all undocumented. It's not primary sources. It's not any. You both know about a book of mine, the, the Dorothy Kilgallen story, the reporter who knew too much. If you go into the internet, you will find these ludicrous uh, stories about Dorothy. You will find them about almost any subject of any kind because there are those people out there who don't do their research, who don't care really too much about the truth, and they throw it all out there. And this particular person uh, chastised me for um, just basically uh, promoting the fact that uh, how could a woman like this, uh, you know, uh, exist? She probably doesn't even exist. And I'm going to check the a uh, list of Holocaust uh, victims to make sure, and just goes on and on, and then use some, uses some very nasty language. Well, Cecilia is listed, uh, you know, that it's, she was there, but I don't know that that will make any difference. So I'll tell you what, I, I wonder if you, can, if you can give me any suggestions. What, what do you say to a person who is so um, uh, nasty with the comments, making them personally, that mm-hmm. I must be some sort of an idiot? to publish a book like this. What do you say? I walk away now. I, I, don't, mm-hmm. uh, I don't address them because uh, we get too many of them. And even online, we have the Jihadist. Actually, there's a group called Jihadist. <laughs> and they attack oh, us all the time for having shows like this. And they will for this one. And what can, what can I say? You know, uh, I used to respond. I used to tell them, things like what you just said i would i would talk mm-hmm. rationally and sort of say well this is where i get my evidence this is what i've found and you try to talk 
reasonably. But you see, the people like that are not into talking reasonably. They're into um, causing a scene. They're into making it an issue. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not going to be part of that anymore. So for me, I, so, say, I say walk away. Yeah, certainly in, in, in what I do in terms of mediumship, I've, I've always had that. You know, I always have those people who, who, you know, if I'm working online, I'll get somebody come in and they'll kind of type up, you know, you fake psychic, you fake medium. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. My, I mean, and that's, that goes with the territory. That's, that's, that's okay. When people start to, when people say I don't understand it or I can't get my head around how you know what you do, but I don't believe in what you do, then I'm okay with that. Because I say, well, mm-hmm. that's fine. That's a starting point. We can have a conversation. I'm not trying to... Um, tell other people what their beliefs should be, I'm giving you my belief, that's it. So right, right. that's the starting point. When it's targeted and it's personal, um, I was I was working this morning and somebody, um, it was an online um, venture, and somebody uh, said, you're a fake psychic, you're a fat pig, you're this. And I thought, where is this coming from? You know, and, and it really is just about getting a reaction. So I just, I just choose to ignore it. Mm-hmm. One thing that um, was interesting is the validity and the, I suppose the, for me it's about my values and me being mm-hmm. um, being very clear I uphold them, is mm-hmm. one of the things that my husband is not a believer in spirit. Okay, so um, which you would think we are talking cheese in that. I'm a spiritual medium. He doesn't believe in it. So I say to him, Do you believe I lie then? And he says, Well, I don't really know. I don't know how to answer the question because you believe in what you do. So who am mm-hmm. I to tell you that's not right? But I don't have mm-hmm. the same belief. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, Al will tell you, he's written the forward for my book, and he says quite clearly, I don't know how she does this stuff, but she does mm-hmm. do it. So mm-hmm. he's, so that's a respectful way. Now, we were sat down um, about three weeks ago, and we were watching um, a music concert that it actually was the Royal Marines. It was on YouTube, and we just sat down watching it. Sometimes we just like to sit and watch the military concerts. Things are moving. Mm-hmm. And um, straight away, in my head, I had a name. And the name I had was a guy called William McInally. And I said, I've just, been, I've just had a message from William McInally, and he died. And he's telling me about this concert. And oh. my husband said, no, that's rubbish. So we Googled it. And sure enough, William McInally had served and died in, in the war. Oh. And he said, how did you even come up with that name? I said, well, because I was given the name. And he just looks at me a bit blankly because he cannot he cannot evidence what I do. He cannot make sense because it's not in front of him. Mm-hmm. But he's, but at least he's not disrespectful about it. When I go online and people are disrespectful, I just don't have time for that. I know I can do what I do. Mm-hmm. So I just have mm-hmm. to believe in that. And I believe that I'm on that pathway for a reason. But it is tough. It is tough. I, I, I feel that for you. It is really hard. Well, you know, uh, it's not been too long ago where I had an interview and I happened to mention the guy asked me how where I got the name of the uh, the book, the, the reporter who knew too much, and I said, well, mm-hmm. I have to tell you, uh, I keep note cards by my bed because I, I wake up uh, about the middle of the night and many of my ideas for books, but every single one of my titles for my books have come to me in the middle of the night like that. Mm-hmm. And I believe that whatever spirit it is uh, and, and courage in the face of evil came as well, that there's something that is in my mind or whatever, and uh, it's brought forward. Now, can I prove that? Could I provide you evidence of the fact that, uh, you know, uh, know, why this happens? No, I can't, but it has happened. And so, you know, I think we need to embrace these things, but I was appreciative of the fact that the interviewer respected the fact that I told him that, and maybe he believed it, maybe he didn't, But he respected that. And that's one of the things about courage in the face of evil that I hope the message gets across. There is so much hate in this world now and so much disrespect and so much division. And it it has to do with respect in many ways. It comes right down to it. You don't have to agree with people, but you should be able to respect them. And let's take the example of the the woman in this book. Right. Um, you know, she. there were people that she didn't like. She didn't like some of the gypsies. She didn't like some of the Jews. She didn't you know, certainly uh, hated this uh, prison guard. But she came to respect those uh, fellow inmates of hers because what? Human survival was at stake. Well, I'll tell you what. If human survival is at stake, 
a lot of this division and disrespect and, and everything else and hatred would go out the window because everyone would be trying to survive. And so when you have that climate like she was in, uh, she's open to trying to uh, get along with everybody and respect them and all of that. And then that ends up, uh, she ends up respecting a man that she hated. And uh, I think we should, should address what happened here. Um, at one particular point, uh, a bunch of children are marched into her barrack where she's a nurse and, t and told that they're all going to be transferred and they're all going to end up in the gas chambers. And so she befriends one little girl, a Russian orphan. And um, that little Russian orphan, uh, she feels like it's a miracle that she has something that can inspire her and give her hope. Well, she starts having to hide the little girl under floorboards and in broom closets and wherever she can crawl spaces because the Germans are going to come get her. Well, all that works out for a while, but then um, Vera, uh, Cecilia, gets in trouble herself for sneaking food and medical supplies to the, to the gypsies and Jews, and she's going to have to go into the bunker, into the jail, and be beaten and all of that. What to do with the little girl? Well, she doesn't. she's just at her wit's end, and when you read her words, she cries, and she asks for a miracle from, from, from God and the Spirit and all of that. And, and she said, thinks to herself, well, I only have one choice. And so one day she just, and, and wait till you read her words about this, she just lets the story pour out to her, uh, to this prison guard and tells him about the little girl, knowing that he can do one of two things, help, or he can have them both shot. And what happens then is a true miracle, because he leaves, he comes back, he tells her not to worry, and then he and his uh, his friend, another German prison guard, take that little girl, and and the exchange in the in the court round court uh, yard with the with the 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 the, uh, the um, uh, you know the the the, the uh, light uh, blazing across and and them not knowing what's going to happen is amazing the drama there. But they take the little girl and they hide the little girl in a pig farm, and save her life. And this shows that love can overcome hate. That uh, the man that Dorothy, or that Dorothy, that uh, Vera hated, uh, was able to save this little girl and and all of that. So then, I don't want to spoil the story for everyone, but it even the miracle continues because when the war is over, I will tell you that uh, Vera Cecilia is drawn to a hospital, and she and the little girl meet up, and then what they decide to do about the prison guard uh, is just an inspirational story as well. So. Um, it's all said about love overcoming hate, but it also has to do with respect, that for whatever reason you can hate somebody, but you can also respect them. And if you can bring around people's hearts from, from hate to love, um, that, is, that is just a magical spiritual event, that's for sure. Very powerful. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. What, what do you, what are the, key points that you want people to get out of this book? Well, that you've got to dig deep. I mean, we all have people who uh, do things to us that cause us to dislike them. Uh, they say things that are hateful. They do things that are hateful. All of that. And if we react right away to it, that's a mistake. It's human nature to do so. But the thing to do is maybe to stop and think about what's going on in their life. Why are they like this? Um, you know, why is somebody uh, challenging uh, Julie in terms of, uh, uh, you know, what she's, uh, what she's doing with her life? Uh, why, why is there that uh, inclination to strike out at anything that uh, a person doesn't agree with? So if we stop and think a little bit, uh, we might be surprised to learn that that person is hurting, that that person has all sorts of stress and pressure. There's so much stress in the world today that they are lashing out. And if there's one thing I learned at the seminary. It is that most times when we lash out at people, it's not them we're lashing out at. We're mad at ourselves for something that we've done. So in this particular case, uh, right away, uh, this, this woman hated the German prison guard. But over a period of time, she saw something in him, as she says, in his eyes, and his manner, that maybe he was different. Maybe he was different than those other, um, you know, SS guards and, and SS that were uh, enacting such cruelty. 
And so, um, you know, over a period of time, she starts to understand. And I think the spirit was working here, whatever spirit you want to call it, uh, whether it's God, Jesus Christ, or the spirit, something was working uh, that permitted her mind to relax a little bit and start to understand that, uh, hey, maybe this guy's not as bad as he as he appears to be. And, and that was all meant to be, of course, because when this crisis comes up where uh, she's so worried for the little girl and, and feels responsibility to take care of her, the only person she can turn to is this man that she hated. And fortunately, um, she was right. Uh, there was good in this man, and he ends up uh, helping both of them. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Now, the um, just so, so people know the, the basic concept, now Vera Koenig was a um, nurse, and she was German. And now she was at a concentration camp, and so right. she was. Uh, her her job was to take care of people in the camp. Yeah, um, and and you should know that I think uh, they, the estimates are up in the air because the Germans um, destroyed uh, all of the files of the women who were in this uh, camp, which is about fifty miles north of uh, Berlin. Um, you will read about uh, this woman's uh, background in Berlin uh, and her family. Her family was pretty well-to-do, but she, was, uh, she wanted to be a doctor, and uh, she ended up uh, getting involved in the underground, uh, passing out leaflets, hiding Jews, doing other kinds of things. And um, you'll find out in the book how she was turned in uh, to, the, uh, to the Nazis. She had a five-minute trial that she discusses. Uh, in the diary, and sent to uh, Ravensbrück. And uh, right away, because of her inclination to become a doctor, she wanted to be able to go ahead and help as a nurse, and she had some experience in that area, and so she was uh, designated to be a nurse. And so she ends up in the barracks there. And, of course, uh, the worst of the worst is there, because not only is it awful to see people so, so treated so in such a cruel way, but seeing the uh, you know the victims uh, who were brought in and maimed and and bloody and and whatever it may be, and of course she just cries her eyes out when they're children, because um, you know their the, the, the conditions uh, you know when it's cold they're they're forced the women and the children to stand outside with very little clothing on to do all of this work dig ditches whatever it may be, uh, fed very little uh, food. Uh, it's just awful, and, and she witnesses this on a daily basis um, when she sees that uh, life or death happens uh, within every minute. You just never know when your life will end. And so, um, yes, uh, she, was, she was a caring person. I have such respect for nurses, and she was a caring person, and she tried everything she could to help those uh, uh, who were incarcerated so that uh, they could live that one day longer. Now, you've also mentioned about the uh, um, organizing uh, the Christmas party that she did for uh, children and uh, singing Silent Night. Now, to top it off, being a Christian in the Nazi regime, that wasn't a, a popular thing either, was it? Well, no. You I mean, you've got, a, you've got a, a man, a deranged man, uh, shouting, you know, that, that anything that... Uh, crosses his beliefs is wrong and awful and terrible, whether it's uh, being a Jew or a Christian or whatever that way. Uh, but the Christmas party is another part of the book where people, uh, their eyes uh, water up because they tried to do everything they could to give people hope. You have to remember that uh, that's all those people have. They have no way of getting away. Sure, they can try to escape, but they'll be shot. So they have to have some hope that they can outlast um, the enemy, uh, and they keep hearing that Hitler's winning the war, and it's only later in the in the diary when they get some word that that may not be happening. So all they have is hope, and the human spirit um, is greatest when you have hope. And so uh, she's she's a pervader of hope. She tries to give hope to everyone that we will make it out of here somehow or another. We just have to keep going, and um, she can do that as as a nurse, but. Being a Christian uh, is, is no badge of courage when you're in a Nazi prison camp. And so uh, she hides that uh, from, from anyone. But uh, she and her these other remarkable women who are her friends and allies, they do everything they can. And as Christmas comes uh, uh, toward when the war will be over, they decide they at least want to have a Christmas party of some sort to give these kids hope and maybe make them smile a little bit. 
And if you don't get a tear in your eye when you hear that 20 uh, women from, or uh, children from, I think it's 23 countries, are singing Silent Night, uh, then, then there may be something wrong with you because you can just imagine um, what that's like. Uh, you know, visualize it, what it's like. For kids that have nothing and they give them a few treats and different things like that, 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 may, that, that probably was the greatest day of their life. And we don't know how many of them survived, but at least for that one day, uh, they could put a smile on their face. So, Dale, in this book and during the process of this book and writing it, how did it change you? I think it, it, it once again... Uh, reiterated my belief that uh, there is good in the world. So many good people out there, you know, every day doing little things that we'll never see in the headlines, that, you know, that uh, we'll never read about in the, in the newspapers, we'll never see on television, whatever. The bulk of the world are good people uh, who are just trying to survive every day, raise their families, have a good job, um, you know, I, I take a walk around my neighborhood and I hear these men uh, from uh, south of the border, for instance, who are, uh, you know, their, their job in life is taking care of people's lawns. And, and uh, you know, uh, you know that, is, that is what consumes their days. And I hear them whistling or I hear them singing or whatever. You know, they're just trying to, you know, I don't know if they're here legally or not. Frankly, I don't care. They are good people, and they're trying to do what they can. And many may disagree with me about that, but they're just people, and people are just people. And I think that's what I gathered as I read the story of all of the different types of people and where they were from, whether they were from the Scandinavian countries or, at one point, uh, women from Yugoslavia and Romania uh, hide the little girl for a little while. So, so nobody questions, um, you know, where they're from or what their occupation was or anything about them very much. They're just people. And I think that's what we need to, to remember is that in this time, this day and time, when there's so much division, so much hate out there, uh, it reminded me to be more patient with people, uh, to try to put yourself in the shoes of someone else. And I'm trying to do that with this email that I got. What's going on in that particular person's life yeah. that I should understand? Because before, I've been, I might have been more inclined to react and, and in an angry way, and I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. I might take uh, your advice and just let it go, uh, but I want to think about it a little bit. And I think that's where I'm better at reactions now than I was before I... I was involved with this book. Yeah, I would just give it time, uh, at least before you do react. I think that it, it was like even with the Roseanne thing and what what she said. and uh -huh. to, You know, for me right away, I was thinking, oh, God, what's, what's she going through? Like, what's what's happening to make Good her do you. that? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, more so than just slamming her. But I'm, I, you know, I, yeah. I, I never watched her anyway, but I... Uh, <laughs> I just kind of yeah. thought, there's, you know, if someone goes off on a tangent like that, I think there's something wrong going on in their life. Well, we're faced with that situation right now. None of us can comprehend. I don't care what side of the fence you're on politic-wise. Yeah. Yeah. How can anybody comprehend what's going on down by the border with yeah. separating children and, and their families and all of that? It's incomprehensible uh, for people to be treated like that, that that could even happen is just hard to understand until you i don't know how we can understand it but somehow or another hopefully it'll be rectified and this won't happen again because that's that's not um that's not how we treat people in this world and that's not how the united states of america has ever been uh how, how they have ever treated people yeah uh, these things that are so hard to understand we need to stop and think and we need to figure out a way then uh to be able to make sure that they don't happen again just as we do that, um, you know, that something like the Holocaust can never happen again, to where uh, it's, it's almost inconceivable that it did, uh, and I believe it did for sure, but oh, uh, yeah. when, you, when you try to get your mind around it, it's hard to understand how it could have happened. Well, I think today's times kind of shows us how easy it can go that way. 
Um, you know, things can happen and people stand by. And I think that's what happened with yeah. the, with oh, the well, Nazis. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. That's right. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people just stood by, and I see that happening a lot now. Um, mm -hmm. There's people that will just stand by and say nothing, and that's. I think that's where the issue lies. Mm, um, good, yeah. good. That's good. good yeah. Point. But, well, another great interview with a great, uh, great author. Um, now, your book and information. Let's give the information of how people can get a hold of you. Well, thank you. Courage in the face of evil, uh, based on a true story. Uh, this uh, Holocaust diary. Uh, uh, www.courageinthefaceofevil.com courageinthefaceofevil.com is where the website is with all kinds of information and everything uh, I also uh, am reachable through markshawbooks.com where all my books are uh, listed and the other books then have links to uh, I was fortunate to uh, have a presentation a uh, book signing presentation of Book Passage which is one of the San Francisco's most prestigious bookstores uh, a couple weeks ago and we videotaped that that's up on YouTube now. You just throw in uh, Courage in the Face of Evil and Mark Shaw, and that would pop up as well. The book is for sale everywhere. Uh, and and I've, I've said to people, uh, if, if this is not a book you want to purchase or you want to um, get it at the library or whatever that way, recommend it to people. And just recommend it to young people especially because I think it's a very uh, worth, worthwhile, uh, worthwhile read for those uh, young people who... Uh, can can learn a lot from this book as we all can. Yeah, very good book, and we'll have it on our website as well. Um, thank you again. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, be on the show and talk about your book. As I say, it's been an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.